0: From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the channel. I'm so grateful that you're here. We're on episode 258 of the Anxiety Project podcast and this episode is inspired by a question i got from damien he says i'm new to the channel well welcome damien and for all those who are new to the channel welcome i'll let you know what this channel is about by the way this channel is about recovery but not just managing anxiety not just managing the suffering just quick little fixes and those little fixes don't have long-term gains this channel is all about the long term game. What is your best bet forward through the suffering? Not just for the people that are going through suffering now and have conquered suffering, but what has worked throughout all of human history? What's worked to overcome real, uh, I would say, trauma, real trauma, real suffering? What is your best bet? Because I mean, throughout human history, there hasn't been a time when it hasn't been really, really difficult. Even nowadays, when everything seems so convenient, it's difficult. People are suffering now more than ever from anxiety, from obesity, uh, health problems, metabolic dysfunction. There's so much happening now. Why? Well, I talk about that all the time on this show We're overly consumed, we're comfortable, but being overly comfortable and not having a goal, not having something to lift and carry, not having responsibility will have catastrophic effects on your mental state. If you are not constantly maintaining the garden, it will overgrow and become infested. This channel, this community is all about how can we take care of the internal garden. When we take care of that everything external shifts our perspective needs to shift and we have to look at our suffering in a different way and we're going to talk about that on this show but remember damien and for all of you re-listen to these episodes over and over and over again because they are really important but they need to stick they need to be ingrained within your physiology within the mind now damien says he well, he's new to the channel and He's just beginning his anxiety recovery. So he says, can you go over some basic knowledge about anxiety for someone who knows so little? Absolutely, Damien. Now, we're starting with number five. This is a big anxiety truth. We can talk ourselves into panic from the internal dialogue, but we can also imagine our way into panic. Now that's interesting. So we have to talk about the cortical brain that's divided into two hemispheres. We have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. The left is, well, for language processing, right? The dialogue that we use to solve problems, that's the left hemisphere, right? You can even hear that voice. Like, can you count to five in your head? Of course you can you hear that voice. That's your left hemisphere. Okay, what's the right hemisphere? Well, going into a crawl space that's dark, what does your mind do? It populates itself with spiders, bugs, insects, axe murderers, whatever is in the realm of the darkness, fear, whatever could potentially harm you and do you win, that's going to come about in the mind. And so we, well, especially when you were a kid, I mean, you thought about monsters under the bed and really there are monsters lurking in the dark, right? That's why when you're an adult and you can't sleep at night because there's something in the back of your mind that's eating you up. There's novelty in your life. It keeps you up. That's the monster in the dark. And what do you do with that monster? Well, we will explore that later on in this episode, so stick around. But for, for so many people, they notice a strange sensation for those going through health anxiety like myself, and they stop, right? As soon as that sensation comes up, they freeze. And then that voice pops up. Oh no, it's that quick voice. Oh, no. Sometimes it's so reflexive that you don't even catch it consciously, but it's there. It's the oh, no voice. And I, I see it all the time within me. And that voice, it sends them into pan- panic because that voice is telling your fear response, this is not a good place to be, and there's a predatory entity here and now. Freeze. Oh, no. Plan of action. Your anxiety response works so damn fast it's so reflexive that you you you're in threat pre- preparation mode so now your adrenaline and cortisol is heightened and now you're feeling tense irritable and you're looking to flee which you do and i've done many times where you run out of the environment and or you fight right that's where you fight the predatory entity could be a burglar that's right in front of you and so you're in panic mode. And at this point in time, there are two main concerns at play here. The first is the fear of losing control and dying in that moment, your mortality. And then there's the fear of social judgment. Oh, no, I'm going to die in this environment. And while I'm dying, I'm going to make a complete bloody fool out of myself in front of all these people that are standing around i gotta get out of here right especially when you're on a subway in an elevator for me it was in public places that's typically the norm when it comes to health anxiety and anxiety and panic attacks so like concert venues um art galleries uh, malls Movie theaters, that's just, it makes sense. It makes sense. You're feeling trapped and you might lose control, have a heart attack, and be judged. I get it. it. Happened to me many, many times when I had anxiety. Now, it's the interpretation of the feelings that can snowball anxiety, the interpretations of the feelings. So the heart beating, we label it as a heart attack, abnormality, and I'm going to die, right? That's the end of me. But let me tell you something. If you felt that before and you thought, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. And then you don't die or don't have a heart attack. You go to the hospital, the emergency room and get it checked out and you're fine. You know, if it was really a good heart attack, you would have but you would have died, right? Realistically. But a lot of health anxiety sufferers don't really think like that. They think, okay, the next time it comes up, oh my God, this is the one that's going to do me in. This is the heart attack now. This is the, you know, this is what is going to end my life. And so always like each time it seems new, it seems novel. But, and that's the thing, that's the, our interpretation of it. And that's what, can't snowball anxiety. So instead of, oh no, I'm having a heart attack, tell yourself, I'm anxious right now. I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. This is a natural bodily response. This is an opportunity to conquer a fear. Now, your internal rational dialogue from your left hemisphere directly connects to the emotional brain, which is your amygdala, your fear response. So that's huge. We can calm ourselves by what we say. And now it's really important to do short utterances like, this is an opportunity. If it kills me, let it kill me. So what? Uh, This is a challenge. notice that it is anxiety notice that you're stressed out be truthful i'm overwhelmed right now i'm not feeling oh i'm not feeling good emotionally there's too much in my in my existence right now and so that's what this is what happens to anxiety sufferers right things get things become neglected in their life but not just that though random elements of existence happens right job change job loss death of a partner or it, you know the change in lifestyle if there's too much change in a lifestyle it can overwhelm somebody now the, now when when that overwhelms them it's at that point where they don't recognize that all this stuff is overwhelming them. They recognize the internal effect that the stress has on them, like the heart palpitations, like the sleeplessness, like the irritability, like the shortness of breath. All of this, right? Anxiety is a wondrous novelty. It is so... It's so amazing what it can do to the mind. It's so amazing what it can do to you. And if we, don't, if we don't take care of ourselves properly, then that anxiety is going to take over your life. And it did for me. Because at the time when I was going through anxiety, my life was very, very unstable. And we're going to talk about that as well in this episode. But we're going to move on to the fourth truth of anxiety the amygdala can unlearn fear your emotional brain it can unlearn because our brain is neuroplastic meaning it can rewire itself if you want to read a book on rewiring the brain there's a great one called um the brain that changes itself by norman doyage i think that's his name But uh, it's definitely called The Brain That Changes Itself. Let me just look it up quickly. So I, it is the brain that, yeah, Norman Doidge. Yep, that's a great book. And the amygdala, our emotional part of our brain, it pairs life experience with positive or negative meanings. Now, that's, that's eye-opening, really, because we're making associations all the time. We talked about that in the previous truth. But as we grow up, we tend to model the emotions. There are reactions based off of the role models in our life. So imagine being a child, you're sitting in your child seat in the kitchen and you're just mapping the world as you're developing and you see a mouse running across the floor. You've never seen a mouse before, so it's novel to you. You have a neutral reaction over the mouse, but then you look to your mom, your role model to see what's the best way to deal and react to this novelty. The mom's reaction, let's say, she jumps up on the chair, she screams, she has a fit. Okay, what happens then? The child learns that that novelty that presented itself is a terrible thing and must be a, approached in that way, with fear, with concern. Because, God, if you a role model, can't handle that novelty, certainly your innocent childlike um developing self cannot, right? And so you're like, oh my God, that that's that you, you know, you're absorbing that like mad. So imagine throughout your childhood you're absorbing the beliefs and values of your role models. And let's say your role models, your family, they're very conservative in nature, very conservative. I mean, they they, they have low openness. They're low in openness, which means they're low in 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 exploring opportunity and growing and learning, so they're low in openness, and they have a very high disgust sensitivity. Okay, and imagine that they are very sensitive to the world around them, and they react to many of the the things in their environment with such sensitivity. And so as a child, you're picking up on all of that. And also, when you're ill, they react a certain way to your illness rather than pushing you to the point of capabilities, You know, which is a really important thing for a parent to do. They overly coddle you and they protect you, and they do that for a long time where you eventually become overly dependent on your family for safety and security. Now, later in life, this is what happens. That security will eventually shatter and break. And how does it do that? Well, the realities of existence always creep in. That's like the snake in the Garden of Eden because the Garden of Eden is a well watered walled off place of security and comfort but the snake always gets in and what happens when we encounter a snake it's oh my god that could kill me that could that could harm my baby that can harm me and so we're very conscious conscious of our own mortality. And sometimes we get that from a movie, right? Overly anxious people, when they watch a movie with violence and gore and tragedy, it's like, oh, it's so much for them because it's they're already awakened to their own mortality. They don't know how to handle it. And then when you watch a movie about it, it even sensitizes them even more, like me when I would watch movies like that. So at this point, understand that, To combat this extreme fear, you have to voluntarily confront what makes you fearful. Now, one of my role models, Jordan Peterson, talked about a client of his where that client had a strong fear of life, they were very fearful people and they're fearful of meat and they're fearful of even going into a butcher shop but the way she combated that in therapy was to go to an embalming to watch an embalming it was really horrifying for her to go but she voluntarily placed herself there knowing that if she could handle this then you know she could be more than she is right so we have to approach our fears voluntarily because if we don't Well, it can heighten the fear, right? So how do you approach a fear voluntarily if you're overly sensitive to your sensations? Well, for me, being out in public and experiencing these sensations, I learned that you have to stay and ride the wave of the anxiety. And then your brain will make new associations like, hey, Brad doesn't die in this environment when he experiences heart palpitations, dizziness, nausea, um, all of these sensations, shortness of breath, Brad doesn't die. He can he can do that, and so the more you make those associations, the more the brain goes, "Yeah, well, I've done it before. I can do it again," and so it st- it lessens the sensitivity over time. But you have to voluntarily confront. What is making you fearful? And that is that is so important. To, you know, you have to confront what keeps you up at night. You have to. There's no other way to look at it. There's no medication that can do that for you. There's no alcoholic beverage that can do that for you. There's no drug. You have to do that. You have to confront what's most terrible in your existence. And then the third anxiety truth that I want to go over is the less awake you are, the more difficult life becomes. The more awake you are, the more you have your eyes open to what's currently happening in your surroundings. Now, for me, I had to look towards my own inadequacies and shine a light on the truths of myself. And that was the beginning of my eye-opening process. Because look at it this way. If you are living unconsciously, just by grabbing onto whatever is in your immediate surroundings that will help satisfy your desires like sex, alcohol, drugs, Netflix, um, um, man, social media, uh, work, um, toxic relationships and we stay in that routine, and not being truthful over our circumstance, being truthful, I mean, well, I'm not really happy, I'm not fulfilled. We all tend to hide that pain with some sort of external means to distract ourselves from that pain. But we shine a light on that pain, it becomes a different story. We become more awake. And by becoming more awake, we realize that we have more control over our circumstance. and that also helps with a role model. So you guys being here, this is going to help you with that awakening process to be awakened to the truths of existence. Not everybody has your best interest in mind. The food corporations, your doctors even don't tend to have your best interest er, yeah in mind or the, they don't tend to want the best, for you, or they, they think that they do, but their information is has been skewered further down the line. They think that this information is the right information, but it's not in your best interest. Now, um, I've learned that going through in, in my journey, um, not just with doctors or with uh, food corporations, but with um, just the way society is set up, the lack of beauty, the the rushing, the overconsumption, and the manipulation, not just from the hidden messages in TV and our narratives that we tend to gravitate towards, but the hidden messages in in everything, everything that's around us, the malls, everything that's being subjected to us. And being awakened to that is a really important thing to um understand let me give you an example say you're playing five hours of video games a day first of all you're feeding this dopaminergic reward response within the brain by the progression you're making throughout this imaginary world first of all it's imaginary do am i against video games No, I am not, because I like video games. I will slot in a video game here and there periodically for an hour, but I know that if I extend that hour, then I'm neglecting other responsibilities in my life. Now, for someone who doesn't take on any responsibilities, they feel like the only thing meaningful in their life is that game, as the example. Now, that's the thing, though. (laughs) We don't know what life is like without it, first of all, but also we don't know how much behind the scenes you're neglecting, how much you're ignoring that could be worked on and, and improved on. Relationships or mental and physical health, you just need to spend five minutes with yourself just to realize like, hey man, I'm not doing so well and being truthful. Like, is this really the ideal way to spend my time now in the moses story the pharaoh of egypt who is a tyrant he neglects his people he neglects culture he only serves for his own own whims and desires he doesn't even like his the people closest to him tyrants don't like the people closest to them right they only serve their best interests Now, God then sends upon Egypt over time because Pharaoh's heart is constantly being hardened by God, right? All the time. That means that his heart is set in his beliefs and values, and it's unchanging, right? And we see that in people all the time. They're unchanging, their heart's set in who they are. And so they're the tyrant of themselves and the people around them, right? Right? And so God sends upon the land of Egypt locusts. He sends frogs. He sends all these terrible things upon the land because that's what happens to the garden. That's what happens to culture. That's what happens to you. It becomes overly infested by the realities of existence, right? The tr- heart truths, the, the, the terrible thoughts, the traumas. Yeah, everything that you don't like piles up and up and up if you aren't attentive to those things. And, well, if you're not awake enough to the ever disastrous nature of reality, then it can overwhelm you and take you out because you are not prepared. The second truth of your anxiety is that anxiety is a sign that something within you and your life is not being attended to. Now, it's almost always the case that those who come to me for coaching, they are overwhelmed by how much of their life has gotten beyond them. That's what I'm talking about, the, about the overgrown garden. You know, there's a job loss or a change, There's a child, the death of a loved one, lack of sleep, poor eating, not enough exercise, toxic relationship, feeling unfulfilled, floundering in life, not having a goal. And usually many of these factors are all at play at the same time. That drives somebody to coaching because what coaching really should be doing is helping the person sort out all of these challenges one at a time and adding order and structure back into their lives, right? Because for them, there are too many snakes, too many predatory entities to tango with. Now, that is no joke because your anxiety response is always active and takes a lot of time to manage all of these snakes. So, We need structure in our lives, and that's one of our human needs. We need order. Too much chaos will drive someone into hopelessness and even agoraphobia, the fear of fear itself. The first anxiety truth that you need to know, here we go, guys. There must be a goal, no matter how vague. There must be be a goal Viktor Frankl who wrote one of my favorite books of all time Man's Search for Meaning he says any attempt to restore a man's inner strength in the camp in the concentration camp he is referring to had first to succeed in showing him some future goal Nietzsche's words He who has a why to live for can bear any how. Could be the guiding motto for all psychotherapeutic efforts regarding prisoners. Whenever there was an opportunity for it, one had to give them a why. An aim for their lives in order to strengthen them to bear the terrible how of their existence. Now, if you know the Buddha story, Siddhartha's story, before he became Buddha, he had to contend with the same thing because his story is like my story, where I was overly sheltered in my kingdom. Then when you go out into the real world and you experience tragedy, death, decay, aging it terrifies it terrifies you because you realize how vulnerable you are and you run back to the kingdom and so what siddhartha realized but he didn't realize it right away he was just curious because he looked to the tragedy as an opportunity to learn from it and grow from it and overcome it rather than stay hidden away in the kingdom. His curiosity drove him and his fear because you know the fear sticks with you wherever you go. You can't run away from that fear no matter where you go. You can try and hide it, but the hiding of the fear is going to lead you into more problems. And that's the thing. It could even heighten your fear the more you hide it because the dragon actually grows. And then you have to... And then you have to continuously, what would you say, um, pull over more and more of the coping to try and hide from the fear. The more the fear grows and the more you avoid the fear, the more you have to pull over external means to numb, soothe, and distract you. So then now you're piling on drugs, alcohol, reassurance, um, television, Everything just piles and piles and piles. And then next thing you know, years down the road pass, and you've been in an unconscious stupor for decades of your life. I see it happen to many people. And I feel really terrible that they lived their life that way that they were not awake, they could have been awake, and they still have an opportunity to. It's never too late. That's the Abraham story in the Bible. You know, he's an old man by the time God calls him out on this great adventure. But the, the, the beauty of that story is it's never too late. It doesn't even matter if you're 90. for If it's your last year on this planet, it's not too late. It's never too late. And how can one keep this goal? So, you know, t- telling, talking about having a goal to follow is really important. But really, my question is then, how do you keep this goal at the forefront of your mind every day? Because we wake up and then we tend to distract ourselves and go about our regular routine and the goal slips away and it flickers away because this is a problem I had. Now, for me... I had to keep this at the forefront. And how do you do that? You have a whiteboard right where you can see it beside your bed every day, where you can write your goals down. You can listen or read or watch your mentors every day. That's what I do. Have a vision board. Put up pictures of what your future you want wants to manifest what do you want in the future 5 to 5 months to a year from now have a prayer that you do every morning and then most importantly sacrifice things in the present moment to serve this aim in service of this aim. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you want to be healthier, you have to make sacrifices. You have to sacrifice the foods that you love, the foods that you rely on, depend on for comfort. You have to let them go in service of this aim. Action speaks a lot louder than words. You have to show show yourself that you can act in a different manner than you're accustomed to. So daily sacrifices are necessary because you have to serve this aim somehow. Maybe you need to set some time to read, set some time to meditate, set some time for yourself because we all need some sacred space in our lives. If there is nothing of that sort, you become your own tyrant. Things control you, rather you controlling those things and that's where i'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode thank you everyone for being here remember to check out my website guys i have a website unpluganxiety.com. go check it out i have coaching there i have the podcast up on there i have um, the program the downloadable program that you can have in your back pocket, the structure that you need, that's there. And lastly, rise above anxiety. I'll see you all next time. God bless. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.